This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with Brad Mitchell of Mojo Host in part two of our interview. ASB Marketplace is the first platform where you can buy and sell adult sites and domains for free. ASB Marketplace allows buyers and sellers the chance to come together on properties that are valued below our company's minimum of $50,000. Don't pay for other marketplaces when ASB Marketplace gives you this service for free. Visit asbmarketplace.com and sign up as a seller or a buyer today. And of course, there's ASB Cash, the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage where you can earn as much as 20% of our broker commission referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check out asbcash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to introduce for sale a hentai site network. The company has an Italian hentai pay site and the most popular Italian hentai free site, plus a popular game pay site. The free site has Italian hentai comics and videos and 52,000 daily views. The adult Italian game site makes over 40,000 euros a month. The hentai comics and video site makes over 11,000 euros monthly. There are also Telegram channels for the sites that are included, as well as a Patreon page. All of the sites have a ton of content, and the traffic is mostly organic. No advertising has been purchased. This is an amazing opportunity for anyone with hentai or game traffic. There's also all the necessary material to learn and manage the business included in the sale. Only 1.5 million euros. Now time for this week's interview. So what would you call the turning points and the development of our industry as a whole in the last 20 years? I would say three things. So first thing, right out of the gate, between, in my these are all my observations, between 2000, 2000, 2006, probably 2005, 2006 for me, I remember it was significant because I had to move my data center operations from Michigan to a larger data center in a state that was better networked. Hmm. But this was when video became rich and big. Mm -hmm. So for those of you listening, you know, it wasn't always the case that there was free videos online everywhere. Like it was actually the case back in those years, I recall, all of the free galleries and promotions were images. Yep. And I remember going to conferences where people were debating giving away seven to fifteen second video clips, mm-hmm. saying, "Well, why would somebody? Why would somebody ever buy if you're going to give them this much content for I free? Remember. Not behind I a paywall, right? Yep. So I think very, I think very early on that was a paradigm shift because all of a sudden we were changing how we were entertaining people. Yeah. Behind and in front of the paywall. So I think that that was significant. And I would time that to 2006 because the reason I moved my da- my data center and back then the 200 servers, 250 servers I had in Michigan down to Miami was I couldn't buy access to the internet at rates that would make me globally competitive. And this was now mm-hmm. relevant because we were pushing, wait for it, 
a couple of gigabit, <laughs> 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 which which back then cost very very different dollars, right? Yeah, so, I, no, I remember um, that too. <laughs> so so that was significant. I think the next paradigm shift happened quite literally about five years later, and this was the advent of tube sites. So this was the difference mm-hmm. in mindset and and delivery and site design between having reasonably sized promotions that were out there and giving the whole thing away for free. Yep. So around, and I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm not precise on the air, but sometime between 2009, 2011, um, this became prevalent. And the first tube sites that were online, they had all stolen content. Yep. And the, the laws really weren't caught up with the technology. So there was no teeth yep. to enforcement. But basically the idea was, let's go rip everyone's videos and or log into their members areas, download their videos, because those are the best ones. <laughs> and then let's post them for free. Yep. And then let's take their watermarks up and we'll put watermarks on for our site or other shit that we want to promote. And then let's design a website that has advertisements for everything else except for their website. Yep. So let's promote ED products. Let's yep. promote other video sites. Let's promote live cam websites. So this dating, was a fundamental yeah. shift, right? Yeah. So this and dating, right? Especially yeah. you know, dating and all this other stuff and live cams, right? So this sure. was this was what I consider to be the second paradigm shift in the adult internet of things. Because at this point, you had a divergence. You had some people with new thinking, basically the guy is starting from zero. It's like, Hey, I got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Right. So, and a lot of them multinational, not necessarily based in North America. So not even, not even Mm -hmm. necessarily subject to these kinds of laws and things like this. Right. Right. So they go and they launch these sites. And of course they get, you know, this is, this is a huge deal and they start getting tremendous traffic and this starts growing. But that, that was significant because that was the first nail in the coffin to premium site owners, which was the way back then there were not really sites that were huge that were selling paperclip. I know that this was always mm-hmm. uh, a part of the business model for AEBN and they're still successful and they were then and also yeah. for hot movies and I'm sure also for clips for sale at that clips time. For sale. Yeah. But but then but then there was ten or twenty thousand other premium sites that charged nine ninety nine to thirty nine ninety nine a month that didn't have any individual consumption. Right. And a lot of those site owners, I think that this is when their business started to change. Of course, they were all infuriated. And (laughs) wouldn't everybody be if your stuff is being stolen, posted, and someone else is profiting and you're getting nothing? Yes. But see see what happened in those moments. And for the years, the, the next couple of years that followed, is what did those business owners do to react to a complete change in the environment? You have the business owners that adapted. And those are going to be the ones, those are the ones largely that are very successful today and still yes. in business. And then you Absolutely. have the ones that didn't. Yeah, the so ones, that, the the, ones, that, the ones that just bitched. The ones that just bitched. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. And, and you know, to their credit, a lot of them did what they were supposed to do. They went and they hired lawyers and DMC agents and they started sending out notices to play whack-a-mole mm-hmm. to get content removed. And that is certainly one of the right reactions is always to protect your trademark and your copyright and your Absolutely. content. Absolutely. But the ones that became the most successful are the ones that morphed and said, well, this is this is really changing how everything's being consumed and I need to modify my business. So they started creating content, you know, and this is, I think, mm-hmm. really when we had at sort of at the same moment in time is when reality sites came a thing. It wasn't a thing mm-hmm. before then. It became a thing around that. This is around that moment, you know, like I, 
I don't know if it was Bang Boss or which one, you know, which one of the first ones would claim that notoriety. Sounds but a right. lot of sites got, got really, really smart. And they said, well, shit, these sites have all the traffic. And so instead of fight with them, let's focus on producing our good content. Let's try to partner with them. Mm-hmm. And that's how they drove traffic to their sites. And that's how they got their tens of thousands of members. And that's how they wrote their history. So yep. that was the second paradigm shift. Sure. I think the third paradigm shift is something that's happened within the last few years, but fully come to maturity. Probably started about five years, five to six years after that, but really came into its own in full maturity two to three years ago. And this is what we see with OnlyFans and clip sites. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because now everything has changed, right? So now in this day and age, you know, we've all got an iPhone or an Android and we're all consuming yep. all the time on our Netflix or, you know, using the Apple store, buying clips and media and doing other things in music. And (laughs) yeah, so I think this is different because this shift takes power away from say the large monolithic platforms that own the rights to all of the content. And in a, in a, a very certain way, now there, of course there are new large platforms, but really what's happened is they've given the power back to the producers of the content because in this wasteland and devastation after tube sites happened, there was, you know, we went from having such a huge quantity of content producers to a much, much smaller quantity, right? That's right. So, you know, things kind of dried up before they started to expand again. And now what mm-hmm. we see is, you know, there are all of these terrific platforms and, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's five or 10 really big ones. You know, obviously the largest one where everybody knows what that one is, mm-hmm. but there are hundreds of thousands of content producers. And that's all very, very interesting. And the smart pl- and the smart platforms realize they're not even going to try to fight the competition. Even some of these cam sites too, you know, it's like true. if you go and you look at, if you go and you look at myfreecams.com and you've got, you know, cam girls on there selling their entertainment services, they're not prohibited from promoting their, um, their I want clips or their, their clips for sale or their only fans or mm-hmm. the fact that they might take money through that platform and then do a Skype show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's very interesting. So I think that's, that's the most recent paradigm shift because mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Absolutely. Big deal. So what are some cornerstone technological advances that has affected the business since you've been a web host and adult? So I think with this, it's, I mean, obviously at Mojo host, I've, I'm actually so, despite the fact that I'm fun to drink and party with and go out and have dinners and I like to go dancing and everybody knows that, I'm actually the <laughs> IT buyer. So every like every hard drive, CPU, motherboard choice that's ever been made, every nut, screw, bolt, cable for all of the tens of millions of dollars in IT buying, I've actually been the one that nerded out and figured out all of that. Okay. So the biggest technological advances, of course, have been in CPU speed and processing, you know, Mm -hmm. and RAM and and costs of all of these things and storage is significant, you know, how we've changed from spinning drives to now solid state drives. All of these are huge Mm -hmm. technological advances. But as it would pertain to the adult industry where that affects everybody is our, in our ability to delivery, to deliver high quality live or pre-recorded video at low latencies. So this is accomplished by obviously having the right software stack running, but also having complex global networks and the right kind of server set up that can cache your content, mm-hmm. um, you know, in different geos, if it's pre-recorded video, or if it's your desire to deliver 
live streaming video, then you know, you need to really have some also some great hosting in a lot of different places. So, yep. you know, the networking since I've started changed from servers with 100 megabit ports to gigabit ports to 10 gigabit ports to 25 to 40 and now even 100 gigabit networking on individual servers. Wow. And those kinds of changes at the edges of the network too. So, well, the cost of and the cost of hosting has gone so far down. It has. It depends on which metric you measure that, you know, it still costs for service and support. People cost more now. Good labor costs more than it's ever costed before. Right. Um, but, but I mean, I mean in terms of bandwidth, when you're buying like, data, I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I'm, no, data's, yeah. data's, changed, data's changed significantly, right? So yeah. when I started my business in 1999, I think I was paying $300 a megabit. Mm. You know, by wow. 2002, I was paying 70 you know, today, raw averaged wholesale costs on bulk bandwidth are sub 10 cents per megabit. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mind you, that's but that's not the price that we sell to our customers at. Because of course. you have to buy lots of networks and you have to blend them together and then you have to make yep. them fast and smart and all, the, all those other things. But sure. yeah, all of these advances have, have essentially made it so that somebody can deploy a site today and have, you know, like I've got a plan at fifty ninety nine and one ninety nine a month that someone can go launch a tube site using mm -hmm. MechBunny software mm -hmm. and one of two Mojohost VPSs or a dedicated server. And it includes at the $200 a month, it includes support, backups, the software, mm -hmm. and a couple terabytes of storage and like 20 or 30 terabytes of monthly transfer, which is quite a Jeez. lot. And that's on that CDN is. for global delivery, not just from a server. Wow. Crazy. So what forecast can you give about the future of technology affecting the adult industry? Hmm. I think we're. I think in the next few years, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be or who's going to do it, but I think we're going to see some type of a paradigm shift in social networking. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure what's going to transpire, but I think that while that isn't technology, like when I say CPUs is technology, I think mm -hmm. that that's what's connecting us all is social networks. Oh sure. And I, and I think we've seen a lot of very large social networks have so much control and be on top for a long time. So it only seems logical to me that, you know, perhaps we can expect to see something new come to popularity. Oh, sure. So, um, you know, other than that, I don't think you're going to really see bandwidth will continue to get a little bit more competitive, but at but now, like you remember, even on a wholesale level, like when I look at some of like when I look at what my costs are, I'm not looking at large double. Di I'm not looking at double digit decreases in bandwidth costs year over year. Now I'm actually looking at like, you know, fractions of pennies. Of course, on some of these on some of these metrics. How much lower? How much lower can it get? Minus. <laughs> what What is what's super interesting, and we saw it rear its ugly head with COVID, is how completely dependent we are on some of these technology supply chains. So I can tell oh, yeah. you right now, buying and building servers right now is a bitch. Mm. And especially using what might be quote unquote latest greatest because all of the supply chains are messed up and actually everything right. is being price gouged. So, you know, when wow. I look at building a server and putting it online today, the relative cost is probably as much as 50% more than it might've been Jeez. a year or two ago. That's crazy. So, 
So what's interesting is is your servers, the servers that you're buying, they're not going to get any cheaper. In fact, I would tell you, honestly, they're getting a little bit more expensive. The great news is, is that things are so fast that obviously the newer technology does more than the older technology does. So go. we're sort of to a point where maybe it doesn't matter as much. You know, people often say, well, for example, Bruce, and we don't need to get into specifics, but I know I quoted something for you once. You're like, well, this other web host has this newer server and it's a little bit cheaper than what Mojo Host wants to charge. But the question you really need to ask yourself when you're looking for website and technology is what's the end result to the customer? How fast is the page Mm -hmm. load? Right. Right? Because at some point with the technology, like it doesn't matter. Like if you're not loading your CPUs up to 100%, it doesn't matter if one's a little bit faster than the other. If Hmm. what your demand for the the server is, is never going to meet the maximum potential. Good things to know. Good things to know. What are three habits you'd recommend developing? to any business owner? Oh, gosh, Natalie, thank you for such an amazing question. <laughs> three, ha- three habits. So I think on this one, I'm going to take, take a slightly different approach. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reflect on myself. Okay. So, so like what things do I need to focus on? What would be the three things that I could focus on to be a better Brad as a, as a president for Mojo Host for my customers and for my employees? I think working hard and showing up and putting the time in. Sure. Number one, you know, so being diligent, I got to be honest, you know, so 22 years in, I've got an option. Like I can, I can wake up at six o'clock in the morning and go into the office or I can roll in at lunch. Yeah. But the best, but the best Brad, the one that's best for his business and best for his customers is the one that understands what puts the food on his family's table. And that's the Brad that sets his alarm somewhere in the middle Right. To wake up at seven, to be in the office at eight thirty or nine, and to have his full business day on yeah. most day, you know, on most weeks, Monday through Friday. You know, I think mm-hmm. I think everyone needs to take vacations because that's healthy. Uh, but absolutely. I think I think staying. I think, you're, I think and you're finally doing that, by the way. And you uh, you remember <laughs> the email that I sent you about that? <laughs> yeah. So in terms so in terms of habits, I think staying I think staying diligent and actually and actually questioning oneself like am I working hard or am I just doing the things that I want to do in passing time? Yeah, because I can I can show up at the office and be there for six seven or eight hours and not necessarily challenge myself. But right. I tell you what, the the days that I feel best when I get home after after work at whatever time that is are the days when I did stuff that I really didn't enjoy doing. Mm, yeah. I try to talk I to my teenagers you. about this, like do stuff that you don't like and do it often because I think that that builds character and that feels rewarding. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so that's one habit. Um, what's another habit? Days like that. I Days like that. I usually have a scotch at night, by the way. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. For me, for me, something else I would challenge myself to do better in 2022 mm-hmm. is be smart and fail or quit things sooner. Hmm have those hard conversations. So when I yeah. reflect on my, on my business ownership the last 20 years and like, I'm not necessarily the best manager of people. So I've tried to set things up now. So I don't have a lot of direct reports, right? So I've got a really wonderful management team and they do a mm-hmm. lot of that day-to-day management and deploying a lot of those hard decisions. But one of the things that I would challenge myself to is, is following my gut. And when I hit, when I instinctively know that there are things I need to action on in my business, hard decisions that I need to make to force me to do it and to not put my head in the sand and delay the decision. Yeah. So, you know, without giving any specific examples, I would generally say like, 
at each moment in time over the course of my company, when, and when an employee wasn't working out, I usually knew long before then. Mm-hmm. And for me, that often meant, and for, and for me, that often meant trying to help them help themselves or yep. try to find a resolution to something that just maybe wasn't meant to be. Brad, you're a nice um, guy. I could imagine but, how hard it is for you to fire someone. In fact, I, I know that for a fact. So uh, yeah, I remember but, but, one but, instance. So anyway. Well, none of that. Okay. But, be, but besides that, I well, would without, say, with, know, without, I, I, without getting to any specifics. <laughs> I mean, there, there's been, there's been many, many over the years. So I I'm certainly sure. don't just reflect on one. There's been many, there's right. been many of those. In fact, in fact, every single, every single salesperson I've ever let go and there's been a whole handful of them. Mm-hmm has been, it has been a very, very difficult choice. Um, sure. and it, sometimes it's just, you know, the, the opportunity isn't right for somebody with where they're at at life in life, or it's just not the right match. And so, um, it's often my experience that, that as much as I might labor over this, like they also knew the whole time. So I've been punishing yeah. myself. So it's just easier to, yep. to, to just be, a, be a man about it and kind of have that conversation. The other thing I would say is, um, I think similar to that would be, maybe the third thing is killing new business ideas that don't get traction. Yeah. They take away from your mental energy. Mm-hmm. They keep you off focus. You've got your core business. It's what you're best at. Yep. You know, some of us business owners ever get one breakout success and I'm a very much a visionary and I have lots of ideas all the time, but mm-hmm. there, there are many things over the years that I've done and I've failed at and I held onto it for too long for, mm-hmm. for pride or for hope or, you know, something magical that clearly was never going to happen in that instance. And in all those instances, I wish I would have killed him sooner. Yeah. So, so what would you call the pillars of a business which require the most attention and are usually underappreciated? Jeez. What a question. Pillars of business require the most attention. I mean, the witness test for me and my business is understanding my customer experience. Mm-hmm. And you don't really know that unless you talk to your customers or you inspect your, your staff and your employees' work or the quality of the service you're providing yep. to actually have that customer experience. Like, so sure. it's, part, it's, my, it's in my nature to be very empathetic, right? So I've always had mm-hmm. that sort of as a strong suit for me in being able to evaluate Mojo host client experiences. But, but I think it's, it's very easy to be a manager or an operator in a business and be too detached from your customer's experience. Absolutely. I think it's, I think it's also, you know, in, in a good organization, you're empowering your people and those people that are working so hard for you, they're trying to take things away from you because they're supposed to, that means everything's going right. Right. Yeah. But really what's also supposed to happen is as a business owner or operator, at all of these levels, whether it's me or it's it's someone that you know, my vice president or you know one of the other VPs or managers, like you need to get your hands dirty. Like you need to mm-hmm. work. You need to engage with the clients. You need to like yep. surf the website. You need to go look at things. You need to go, right. you know, like I get very, you know, we have like a once a month all hands on staff meeting, right? So there's forty, you mm-hmm. know, almost forty people on the call every time. You know, everyone mm-hmm. that's a systems administrator, everybody's in management, billing. Mm-hmm. And we are largely a technical organization. So out of that of call of upwards of 40 people, I would say like 35 are technical, right? Wow. And then you've got like, you know, me, a biller, um, you know, a, a VP of finance and, you know, Natalie in sales mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and Jack, but everyone else is, mm-hmm. is super, super technical, but yep. 
um, it's important to make sure that when people have problems that you're dialed into that, like you have to, you have to, you have to know about it. Like you have to make sure that like that news gets passed up to you. Like I have a lot of friends, tons of friends, like dozens, like maybe even hundreds of friends that are customers. I would say more than hundreds of friends, of course, that are customers. Yep. And I always say the same things in my phone calls. Like I hear a lot of times, oh, like everything is wonderful. Your staff is great. Like the support is really, really good. And I'm so happy about that. But I always make sure in every one of these conversations, when someone's giving us a compliment, I remind them and I say, you know, when you eventually have that day, when something isn't going the way that you think or thought it should, or you don't know if that's how that's supposed to go, I want you to call me or message me. Yep personally to tell me yes because it's hard because a lot of times what happens is people don't want to bother you like everyone assumes just like you that i'm too busy that i can't hear it or don't want to hear it or that i never never assume you're too busy (laughs) well but a lot but a lot of people do or yeah or you know there's a mutual respect in your friends and they feel like they're afraid they're going to bother you and they don't want to be a nag because they generally like things but i always try to encourage people the other way like that's how we make that's how we stay really really good at our business because it's only when people raise a red flag and say like hey was this really supposed to happen that way or mm-hmm. you know let's right. talk about this like that's how, how can we you do. improve we have a, we have a very how can you improve otherwise right we have a very sure of course and we have a very complex deliverable mm-hmm. so we need that feedback like and mm-hmm. sometimes you need a common sense approach to going and reviewing someone someone could have a support ticket with 100 threaded responses in it wow. and it might have one, two, or five system administrators that have been in there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what needs to happen is either me or my vice president or the, the VP of support and operations, like someone needs to go and look at this whole thread and read it like they're the customer. Yep. So that we can judge ourselves and say like, okay, like where did we go wrong in this? Or what could we have done better? Or why yeah. wasn't this escalated? Like, yeah. like there was a problem, something got pushed back and then, you know, like, I want to know when someone's having a bad experience because I also want to be the guy that reaches out and says, Hey, I'm really sorry. We made a mistake. We've looked at this. We understand how we did it and we're going to do better next time. And I'm going to go put a credit on your account. Yeah. And that's, that's why you, that's why you guys have the reputation you have, Brian. You know? Yep. The company is you, you are the company. I mean, that's, and and, and I know you take that. I know you take that seriously. I'm hoping to build I take it. I take it seriously, but we, to be honest, like the really the core value is that like that that whole that's good mojo mm-hmm. slogan that we've got. I think I think we've really built and hired and fired a team mm-hmm. that that lives by that. And oh yeah. My my goal is to make it so that while I'm synonymous with the brand, and maybe I don't always want to be, or it's maybe I would like it to be bigger than that. So oh well, of course. That's but always still. The but still, people know you care, and that's that's the important thing. Um, do, okay, I got a question for you. Does profit always equal success? No. Why? Sometimes you make money and you don't feel good about it, mm. or about how you earned it. <laughs> and I wouldn't say that that's the case with. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's the case in Mojo Host, but it, like in reflecting, right. like I'm. Uh, it depends. The question is, what do, what does success mean to you, right? Like that's really the question. The question mm-hmm. is, is um, yeah, what does what know, does is, success mean to you? Let's go there. Well, to me, it means a lot of different things. I mean, and at the root of it, I want to feel proud of what I do as much as I can. And you know, I'm still an employer, and 
you know, a lot of the jobs that that my employees do, just like some of the things that even that I do on a regular basis, some of them are pretty mundane and repetitive. It's not always mm-hmm. the most exciting thing. Right. But for me, for me, success, like even if my personal income hasn't grown in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. I guess I'm not measuring it on, on pure profit, right? Because if it was on profit, right, then I would be measuring what's Brad's bottom line. What did he take home? 2021, right. 2020, 2019. And I'm going to tell you, Bruce, <laughs> I haven't, while I've grown my business each one of those years by double digits, I haven't actually made more money. Well, you're putting it back in. You're putting it well, back I've been in. Putting, I've been putting it back in, but but how how do I feel like I'm still successful? So I get, I judge that for myself and for Mojo Host first. Are my customers happy? So I believe the answer to that is yes. Yep. Second, are my employees happy and am i taking the best care of them and you know you have mm-hmm. to make a lot of choices as an employer about how you take care of your employees like at mojo host we've more we've more or less gotten to a place right now where there's unlimited pay time off mm. wow you know and no it's not documented exactly like that in the handbook but i make these exceptions all the time and i always have <laughs> you know especially with covid and everything else and bereavement oh, yeah. and people getting sick and ill like i went and especially at the start of the pandemic, you know, I raised, there's just been a lot of exceptions for employment that we've made. And, but it's important to me because you know what, I, I guess like secretly somewhere inside, like, you know, I want to be the guy that makes them, that makes the most money and crazy successful personal fortune. Like that would be awesome. And I, I truly believe with more hard work and what I'm doing, getting smarter and better at it than someday I'll see fruition of that. Mm-hmm. But what makes me feel good is that I take great care of my employees as good as I can yeah. for them and the, for them and their families, whether sure. it's they need a loan for something, whether it's they need more paid time off than they're supposed to have based on their tenure at the company, whether it's the decisions I make from one year to the next on which Blue Cross Blue Shield plan we're buying for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like we have, I think probably, I'm not going to say probably, I would say almost certainly, probably... And probably most certainly in the adult industry, but probably by comparison to, to any other enterprise organization, like I have the richest healthcare benefit that's out there. So wow. it is the most expensive Blue Cross plan, and that has the lowest deductible, and it has full vision and full dental. And I don't just buy that fully for my employee, I buy that for any spouses and dependents that, for their spouse and all of their dependents. Cheers. And they contribute nothing towards the premium. So mm-hmm. that means for me, when I hire somebody that's married and has a family of four, that that's twenty to $25,000 a year that we're paying for that. But you know what? I, why wow. I do that? Because the why? same fucking thing I want for my family. Yeah. Because no matter where they are, whether they're making 60000 a year for me or 100000 or $150,000, I want to make sure that when it comes to their health and their care, mm-hmm. and the care of everyone that's important to them and their nuclear family, that they can have access to whatever they need. You know, sure. And obviously, healthcare is very complicated in the United States. And if you look at the statistics, you would see that yeah. most bank most bankruptcies are actually healthcare related. Yeah. And so, yeah. I was telling you, know, you uh, I was telling you before our interview about that Andrew Yang book that I'm reading, and it was it was citing that statistic. Uh, what I read just last night. Sad. I mean, very very sad. So you know, how do I define success? Um, I look for. I look to see, am I having personal growth? Am I challenged by the work that, my, that I'm doing for my employees? 
You know, it didn't used to be the case. I couldn't have given you an honest answer eight years ago, Bruce, if you said, like, is there opportunity for advancement at Mojo Host? And we were talking about a system administrator level employee. I probably would have said yes, but I don't know if it would have been true. Hmm. Maybe even back then I would have thought it was true. But it has become true because we finally brought that to fruition with with James that manages my business, my vice president. So now we have all kinds of opportunity for, for, for employees to advance, not just with their pay, but in their job and their skills and their responsibilities. You know, the last few years, we've been secretly building new products and new technologies. And we have all kinds of stuff that's that's already happened and going to be happening in the near future. You know, so there's a whole DevOps team now. There's a whole management tier sure. of systems administrate to manage the different shifts for systems administration. Right. And those and those all of those all of these employees were promoted from those initially grinding jobs of you know systems administration. Even in the systems administration, like the support ticket queue, you know, we've we've taken the whole what is support at Mojo Host and divided that out. You know, we have a network mm. operations team now. We've got we have a team now that actually all they do is manage the monitoring and alerts for all of your servers and services. Wow. And we've got, you know, the team for provisioning and we have, you know, the general support queue and then we have an escalations thing. So mm-hmm. come a long way, man. Yeah. You definitely come a long way. You know, what's interesting, you were talking about, you know, the paid leave. I'll tell you the opposite of that. A guy that I know was working at a hotel, part of a hotel chain. And the worst possible thing you could imagine happened. His girlfriend died in bed, sleeping next Mm. to him. Do you know what the hotel said? You don't get any time off work. So so that's what you're competing with. I mean, that's an extreme example. But that's what you're competing with is companies that just don't give a damn about their employees. Sure. And I think one of the inherent challenges to scaling any type of company is how do you actually manage to happiness and manage to unusual situations as an organization gets larger? So I, I expect that that will continue to be a challenge, right? So my challenge with 40 employees is very different than some of my friends' companies that have two or 300 employees and very different from companies that have a thousand 5,000 or a hundred thousand employees. But, mm-hmm. you know, if given the chance and the opportunity, I would love to be the CEO someday of that company that has 10 or 20,000 employees and say, you know what? We're fucking awesome at that too. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you try to do that without losing control. That's the only problem. Well, the only way to move forward is to give up control. No, that's but, true. But I think, you know, as I said earlier, you really have to inspect what you expect out of all tiers of your business, including all the way down to the customer, even the customer's customer experience. Mm-hmm. One of the things that people would never, ever guess, we've put our, our physical network, like how we connect to the internet through so many different phone companies, we've put this together in such an awesome way. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't talk a lot about that because most of the time when we're talking about hosting, you know, People don't really want to get to get into the weeds of how it is we, we build things the way that we do. But the sure. truth of it is, I have a network operations team mm-hmm. that's so fucking good at what they do. And we deploy such good technology and make such good choices about where we buy from and how we blend bandwidth mm-hmm. that I can have one of my $250 a month elevated X complete managed hosting special clients that, you know, basically your typical pay site, entry-level pay site owner that has a server for Mojo Host and elevated access or CMS. 
Mm-hmm. I can have one of those guys have a member that has a problem with a video buffering, and we can escalate that all the way to my network support team to troubleshoot that guy's home router. Wow. <laughs> and we've done, and That's we insane. haven't do that. That's and, you know, insane. But the only re- yeah, it is insane. But the only reason we can we can do that is because we made all the right choices at all the higher layers of the network and deployed all the right technologies and investments. See, sure. most hosts, what most people don't know is most hosts deploy what's effectively called least cost routing solutions. Mm-hmm. So we have extra, we have some extra special technology in play that most hosts do not deploy mm. because it comes at quite a premium, but it actually is inspecting all of the traffic that enters and exits our network. Wow. And then, and then searches the whole internet to look for ways to reduce latency. Like if I can reduce latency by more than five milliseconds to any destination in the world, my network will do that. That's awesome. Regardless, regardless of cost. We'll even take traffic off of free network sharing to do it. Hmm. So what do you want to accomplish in the balance of this year, 2022? The balance of this year, 2021, or what's my New Year's resolution for next year? <laughs> oh, see, you, you just you just blew it, man, because we're doing this in oh. December and it's gonna run in January. That's okay. Everyone well, blow I, everyone I, blows I, it on. at some everyone blows it at no, some no. point. So uh, okay, I'll, 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 you, give you, I'll give you both answers. What do <laughs> no, I hope? What, just, what? No, just tell just just tell me what you want to accomplish uh, business wise in twenty twenty two. I want to increase profits, Bruce. Good. I have a data center that I've invested so many many millions of dollars to build. Mm-hmm. I have nine hundred unsold servers mm. waiting there for me to sell. Oh. Wow. I've got twenty thirty petabytes of storage sitting there on pallets waiting to be racked. Mm. I've got all this stuff that I either already own or I'm already making payments on. And magically, mysteriously, wonderfully, Mojo Host has grown enough where I'm not running in the red. We're still doing all right. I've just, instead Good. of instead of paying myself more the last couple of years, we've invested in all of these different things. So I'm really looking right. forward to 2022 um, sort of bringing the cattle home. And yeah. And, and, and seeing through what my vision of all of this has been and mm-hmm. and selling new service inside of our new data center. And so nobody will we, begrudge you for making business, money, should, should Brad. really being a boon. <laughs> <laughs> nobody will begrudge well, you, you know, for we making talked about money. All this, well, we, you know, we talked earlier in the, in the interview, though, about what are some of the mistakes that business owners make or what advice would you give? Mm-hmm. You know, so I've been I've been trying to run this very delicate balance of making sure that I'm not over investing or over leveraging that we can actually afford like all of these are calc are, are calculated risks mm-hmm. based on return. But right. the, but the great news but the great news is my whole team is very focused and we're really ready for the new year with all of these new products and services and so. You know, I'm hopeful that it's the case that next year we can we can focus on selling into all of these great new assets that we have. And if we do that the way that I expect that we can, then that should hopefully um, show some some good profit from that. I hope so for your sake. Well, Brad, I'd like to thank you for being our guest again today on Adult Side Broker Talk. And I hope we'll, chance, we'll have a chance to do this again really soon. My broker tip today is part two of what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. Keep your website design up to date. Do a redesign from time to time. 
People will tend to think your site is the same as ever and click out of it without even looking if something doesn't change. So keep it fresh and up to date. Times change, so should your website. Look at what your competitors are doing and see what it is you really like. Emulate success. If you know a site to be particularly successful, look at what it is they're doing and do some of the same things. I'm not saying copy it. I'm just suggesting you improve your site by looking around a bit. You've got to keep up with the times or you're going to end up being left behind. Also, keep an eye on your competition and make sure you're offering everything on your site that they are or more. Don't just look at their design, but make sure your offers are good and you're competitive. The same goes for your content. Do you ever wonder why one site does well and the others don't? Check out the competition's content. What are they doing that you're not doing? Be willing to make changes. People can't understand why they're losing sales to a competitor, yet the competitor's clearly doing everything better. Emulate success. Make sure everything on your website works well. Make sure all of your links work properly. Check them on a regular basis. If things don't work, you're going to lose customers. People are not patient these days. People's attention spans are like that of a gnat. They click out immediately and go to the next result in Google if they don't find what they're looking for, if the site is hard to navigate, or if things don't work. Check all of your internal scripts and plugins and make sure they're updated regularly as well. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week we'll be speaking with Dominic Ford of Just for Fans. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Brad Mitchell of Mojo Host. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedland.